is moving right now You are still showing up at the tomb of every Lazarus And your voice is calling me
good morning, Capital City Church. We're so happy to see you here today. Um, please stand and worship if you're not already uh, as we sing the next few songs. on this journey I get lost in my mistakes what looks to me like weakness is a canvas to your strength and my story isn't over my story's just begun failure won't define me cause that's what my father does if failure won't define me cause that's what my father does Lay your burdens 
neighbor's house and check your shame at the door Cause it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, you're in the Father's house I know. 
some of you this week said he's going to get rid of praying during the worship time because we didn't do it last week. You'll find I'm not much for programs. I really like following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this week I talked with some different people about what it meant for them to come to the altar and pray. And Someone talked about being able to have the opportunity to come and pray about illnesses or Challenges, physical, they might be lifting up for themselves or somewhere, someone else. And I thought about one of the greatest things that plagues us as, as people, as human beings, is the idea of discouragement. I think about one of the phrases we used last week in our, our message, has someone not made your day with a word of encouragement or destroyed it with a word of discouragement? We are called to be encouragers, but sometimes we need to be encouraged ourselves And it's a big, important reason why a Christian needs to stay in the word because there are words of encouragement there. Let me share a prayer with you this morning. Lord, you told us in your word to consider our Lord Jesus Christ who endured great hostility from sinners, lest we become weary and discouraged in our souls. Father, right now I'm turning my attention to Jesus. I am weary my soul is discouraged. My heart is heavy as an anvil and my spirit is dark as a cave. What I have longed for has not unfolded. What I hoped for has not happened. I feel like Jacob when he said, all these things are against me. But you, Lord, are the God of all encouragement. Help me to consider the perseverance and power of my Lord Jesus Christ. Give me an encouraging word from him. Let me to lead me today to specific promises in scripture. When I am overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land a higher place than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I pray in Jesus' name. This next song we're gonna do is probably new to you. It's new to a lot of people. And it's called, I'm Listening. It's talking about hearing a word from the Lord. He's got a word of encouragement for you. He's got a word of healing. We'll invite our pastors up so they can be in place to help pray for you this morning. But what if we came? We're going to talk about listening today and the next week that I preach. What if we just say, God, I'm listening to whatever it is that you have for me. We just sang, the story isn't over if the story isn't good and it's not because he's got a good story for you. So come come this morning, find encouragement for your discouraged and weary soul. Find rest 
Find the rock. Find the, the, the higher ground that he's got waiting for you. We know, we know we've been standing for a while. You can always take a posture of worship that feels comfortable for you. You can sit, you can stand, but please bring your burdens to the Lord today. Father, we thank you that you are our rock, that you will lift us up so that we can stand by faith on heaven's table land. God, we know it's a higher place than we've found because we've searched and we've found that all other things have come up short. And so God, help us this morning to put our trust, our hope, our faith wholly in the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to be faithful, be mindful, be obedient to your spirit this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you. 
listening for your voice that calls us to surrender. We're listening to your voice that calls us to sacrifice, that calls us to humility and to love one another. God, this message that's coming is, is challenging. And we face so many challenges day in and day out. Right now, in this moment, we're setting all of that aside to listen to your voice, to hear what you might have to say to us, what you might have to call us to. And we're just humbled and grateful to experience you and to be a part of what you're doing answer the great commission call. Father, we thank you for your presence during the service. For touching each heart here this morning. We just pray that that would continue as we continue with the rest of our service. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
Anybody wish I'd hurry up? Somewhere a cameraman's mad that I'm not in a shot yet, right? So I, um, I told you this is going to be a two-week series, but I got to looking at the Word a little bit more and decided we needed to take an extra week, which some of you are saying, if you'd hurry up, you probably could have got it all in today. <laughs> we were going to talk this week about listening, what it means to listen to God, but I thought before we did that, we needed to talk about what it means to listen to others. And uh, it was the week before we were going to move down here. You gotta, don't, does it drive you crazy when somebody says we went up to so-and-so and they went south? Like, come on. So I took a second because we did a lot of going upward, but like, you know, we had to move down here. <clears throat> and uh, haha, we got to move down here, right? Yeah, we're, we're glad to be here. Um, it was the week before or it was the week that we were going to move. It was the night before we moved, wasn't it, Allison? It was the night before we moved. She remembers this. I'll tell you this. I'm going to tell you a story here in a second when I get around to it. But she thought I was dead. Uh, something happened the night before we moved down here. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to talk about, um, this morning we're going to talk about my fitness habits. Right? Anybody else want to get up here and talk about their fitness habits? Yeah. I used to love to work out. I used to love to. And then, like, these three things came from me and Allison, and all of a sudden, I couldn't find my energy anymore. They just, like, zap it out of us, and working out's just not as appealing as watching the baseball game or sitting in the recliner. But I do try to think about it, right? I mean, that's got to be worth something, thinking about working out, right? We all have good intentions. And every once in a while, you know, I'll do it. So, I, you know, we all have seasons of going in and out of good and bad habits, but I don't like to run. I don't like to run. Um, but every once in a while, I, I will say this, if things are just kind of heavy or really stressful and I'm in good enough shape and nothing's hurting, it does seem like, I mean, every workout feels good when you're done. Um, so every once in a while, you know, I would go for a run. And when I say every once in a while, a good week was like two, going for a run two weeks. So I have about four good weeks a year. Um, but as we were moving, I really was, I was trying not to miss out on working out and, um, you know, I'll just, as we were leaving up there, people were making us food. And as we were getting down here, people were making us food. Nobody was buying me fitness equipment. I'm not sure what I would have thought of that, but all I'm trying to get to here. And, and there's a point is <clears throat> for me, I was actually the day before we went, before we came to move down here to start packing the truck, I was outside and I was trying to plan everything and I just got a little stressed and I just took off running. I didn't go inside and stretch. I didn't go, you know, let Allison know. I don't think I let Allison, I just took off. I mean, and by the way, we need to talk about these runs. I mean, we're talking like maybe a mile. I wasn't going to be going for an hour. <laughs> like she might not have even known it happened. And so I hope you get by this point, I don't like to run. Working out's not as big as a thing in my life as it probably should be. And when I get running, as soon as I get started, I got to stick with it because I wasn't excited about starting with it. And uh, 
this day before we moved, this day before we moved, I went for a run, and I was probably like, I don't know, I'd probably put in about three quarters of a mile. This is where I'm already starting to be happy with myself that I've made it this far, and I realize I'm going to finish the run. And believe it or not, I don't know what kind of tenacity all you have, but when I was younger, I would have never went for a run and quit running before I get back. But as a, when I got to be an adult, I said, nobody said I can't stop and just start walking. So it really was a big thing to keep going. And I saw this man when I went for my run. And because I had stuff to carry, I didn't want to make... He had two staffs about like this. And I think he was walking slower than I just walked out on this stage. Later, I would do the math on how much ground he and I covered and how long it took us. And we were moving slower than one mile an hour. The last four or five times I'd been on a run, I'd seen this man walking at this snail's pace with two canes. And the last four or five times that I had went out for a run, God told me that I needed to stop and go walk with him. And I don't know about y'all, if you admit your shortcomings and your that kind of thing, every single time I just told God no. You tell God no. You might not want to tell me you tell him no, but you do a lot. We might not say it so bluntly, and I didn't say it bluntly either to God. It's really hard for me to say no to God. We don't say it like that. We use excuses and have greater purposes and... We justify it for sure, right? I, you know, I'm saying things in these first four or five runs that are like, God, I don't want to bother this old man. I'm going to scare him to death. Look how slow he's walking. I'll probably give him a heart attack if I run up. He'll probably think I'm a, he might hit me with one of those things. God, you know how hard it is for me to run. I'm actually out here running. I, you know I need this. You saw what I ate for dinner. I need to get this running. I can't stop. We're moving our whole house tomorrow. I don't have time for this. And that Wednesday night, God said, well, if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? So I slowed down and I walked up behind the man and I just simply said, I'm supposed to walk with you. And he said, well, you better do it then. <laughs> and we walked for the next, for the next hour together. I mean, we didn't, we didn't cover a mile. <laughs> Allison called because she knows if I'm out running that long that either I've been bitten by a radioactive spider and somehow now I have superpowers <laughs> or I'm passed out somewhere in a ditch. I don't, I don't know. She just knew I wasn't still running. For the next hour, I didn't say a word. He talked the whole time. Some of you are probably waiting to see what revelation this angel or this prophet gave me. Don't think he was a Christian. Feel pretty confident about that from our conversations. I thought I knew all the bad words that were out there. I think I learned a couple that day, <laughs> or at least some context and how they were used. But he talked for over an hour. I thought, 
God, doesn't this man have anybody else to listen to him? He so desperately needed somebody to just hear what he had to say. He told me how the last five generations of men have died in his family, what caused it, where they lived, how he thought it was ridiculous that we still have to lock our doors or that we lock our doors and that he doesn't. He talked to me about how picking up food off the ground and drinking water out of the creek won't hurt you, and he's a testament of it. We're going to look at a few verses. James 1.19 will be the first one this morning. It just says, everyone must, everyone must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, if I told you to do something quickly, right? isn't this a goofy one that James gives us? How do you be quick to listen? Because quick implies movement. It implies speed. It means accomplishing something that we can see. We have to stop being quick at doing everything else we're doing. We're too busy to listen to other people. We're running. I, I, I was, God, I'm doing what's right, right? Let's, like, if, you, if some of you, if God hasn't already spoke this to you in the Holy Spirit, you've already heard the pastor going, Yep, I'm running too fast and I run right by people. Running, doing something good. I need exercise. My doctor says so. There's heart stuff in my, in my family, in the men in my family. I've got to take care of my heart, right? Like, I'm doing what needs to be done right now, God. He says, you're doing a lot of stuff fast, but you're not doing the things quickly that I ask you to do. To be quick to listen means we have to be quick to stop doing everything else. And it's hard. If so, some, somebody in here, is there anybody, like, I'll let you brag a little bit. Anybody in here like a, like a five-miler? You go for a run, you run five miles. Anybody? <laughs> Four, three. Where's Kayla? Kayla, you run, don't you? You run a few miles, don't you? Yeah, yeah, Kayla runs a few miles. We won't bring her up here. But you, when you're running, you don't, like, it's hard to just stop. And when you stop, you're done. Like you don't want to start again. Like you're, you get momentum. You're, you get into what you're doing so much that it almost seems a bother, an inconvenience. We can get into a place in life where people and listening can become an inconvenience because we're so busy running the race that we think we're supposed to be running. Just have a few ideas here. The first one this morning is that we need to listen more. When it comes to our relationships, we need to listen more. The first step, and, and we, we talked about this a little bit, these messages are going to build on each other, and, uh, but the first step to listening more is to talk less. That's a, that's, I mean, most of us can just check out there, right? Like, well, I just can't do it then. We've all heard the criticism, he talks too much. How about this one? When was the last time you ever heard anyone be criticized for listening too much? 
I talked to them for an hour and they just sat there and they didn't say a word. They didn't give me their advice. They just listened to my voice. I've never heard that. I've never heard anyone complain. Go, I cannot believe they just want to listen to me. Probably some of you don't even realize that the people in your life you love the most, all they do is listen to you. Think about it. There's probably, I hope you have someone in your life that listens to you. Jack Greenberg, the former CEO of McDonald's, said that the best qualities a leader can have are the ability to listen and to assume the best motives in others. We usually don't do either of those. This morning, let's just, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna give a big altar call. We're not going to have you bow your heads and close your eyes at the end and say, I need help with this or that. We're gonna do it right as we go along the way because I wanna give opportunities for you just to process each point and confess how many this morning would just slip up their hand and say, I could probably listen more than I do. Listen more than I do. I, I, okay, good, good. <laughs> hey, man, yeah, let's, we got a witness here. Like, I need to listen more. And here's what's great. Like, I'm not somebody, I was talking to, to Reverend Holbrook, our GS yesterday, and I told him, I said, I was really convicted when I listened to this, or when I was writing this sermon, and I have been in a lot of sermons. I hear these sermons where preachers tell us to do stuff, but I don't feel like they really tell us how. Or they, and, and, and me included as a preacher, and I'm going, I want to tell you why we listen more and how we can listen more and how it can uh, positively affect us. So step one is listening more. Let's look at Proverbs 8.13. Step number two is listen first. Listen first. We'll leave the verse up there, then we can switch to the point slide. He, Proverbs 18.13 says, He who gives an answer before he hears... It is folly and shame to him. So when I say listen first this morning, what we mean by listening first is be careful to try to answer someone before they pose the question. Be careful, right? Like uh, you ever, we, we watch some Jeopardy in our house and I love when that person, you know, beeps it. Well, Jeopardy is not a good example maybe as some of the others, but when, when we listen first, yeah, this is a good example. I knew where I was going with it. I just lost my train of thought for a second. I love when somebody beeps in really quick and they think they know the answer and then they just put the camera on them and they're just going, I, I mean, like they're staring right at those lights there, deer in headlights. But because the other contestants listened first, they got to hear or not hear that response and they got to think of the answer because they listened and processed the whole question. Some of you don't, don't look at your spouses during this sermon today because I know it's going to be so tempting. And you're not going to know if I am or I'm not because Allison's sitting out there, so I'm always just looking at y'all. You answer somebody or give a response before they even finish the sentence. You didn't know what they were going to say. You thought you knew where they were going. And you were wrong. You were wrong. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Listening first shows understanding, respect, and mutual benefit. The other person knows they've been heard, and you can give a response that's more well-informed. The counterfeit of this is pretend listening. Did you know you can pretend listen? When we pretend listen, we spend our listening time thinking about our reply and just waiting for our turn to speak. 
Let me give you an example of how pretend listening works. Last week, I met someone, and I said, hi, my name's Jonathan. And they said, hi, my name's John. I go, oh, that's nice, we have a new name. He goes, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm the pastor at Cap City Church. He goes, you know, I really don't think we should be racist. (laughs) What? Was there something I said that it all implied that I was racist? Is there a rumor that Cap City's racist? What on earth are you talking about? He had something that he wanted to communicate and didn't care at all what I was saying. I don't know how all of you have these dealings or these meetings in your life, but as a pastor, you go into meetings. Pastor David's here. Um, he, He can relate to this. You go into these meetings you know you're going to meet with, and you might make a note, we need to talk about this, and we need to talk about that. And then you get into the meeting, and they don't want to talk about any of your things. (laughs) Hey, this meeting was supposed to be about me and what I wanted to accomplish. And what we do, I won't won't paint David with this brush because he's a better pastor than I am, all right? I hope I'm as good a pastor as David is 35 years from now, right? Give David a hand. Isn't he a good pastor? Hey, you guys want to hear something funny about David and Connie? (laughs) This doesn't have anything to do with the message. It's just so good. And we need to laugh as Christians. I was telling Connie this yesterday. I don't know if David knows he did it. Isn't this fun, David? Don't you just feel your heart beating right now? You guys all know what autocorrect is, don't you? David sent me this just incredibly, wonderfully nice text this week about talking, you know, saying how much he supported me and Alice, him and Connie supported me and Allison. And Connie autocorrected to conifer, all right? And I told Connie yesterday, I didn't know if it was an autocorrect or if maybe that was a pet name that David had for <laughs> Just think about all the mess we can get into if we're not listening right or reading text right, whatever it would be. I, that was, it was a fun one. <laughs> um, This is a specific principle that God convicted me of. It's a leadership principle. When you read leadership books, it will tell you, if you want to be a good listener, you need to listen to what the person's saying and not think about what you're going to say next. I'm a very practical preacher. I don't want you to leave here and go, well, the pastor did his job this week. I want you to leave here every week truly believing that I gave you something that you can think about and will help you change the way that you do things and be a better Christian. Is that okay? This principle is one that I specifically struggle with. Listen, God, Allison's talking to me, and she's saying something, and I, there was something on the drive home that I knew I needed to tell her, and I have to keep thinking about it and make sure that I remember to tell her. And so I'll wait till she's done talking, but I've got to try to remember that thing while I'm listening to her talk. That's not listening, okay? And I said, God, how do I get better at this? Because I know you've given me important things to say to other people, Right? And these are important things. And then do you know what God said? He said, don't you think that my Holy Spirit's good enough to help you remember the important things and forget the unimportant things? Isn't that good? If God wants you to say it, it's not going to go away. You're not going to forget about it. And if you do forget about it, maybe he didn't want you to say it. But that means being controlled, living in the Spirit, and not our own agenda. Interruption shows disrespect to the one speaking. 
always, regardless of the situation, regardless if you're on, I mean, now talking too much when you know somebody else, when you've overstayed your welcome is disrespectful too. Just, you know, both sides there. But when we interrupt, it draws attention from the person speaking and focuses on the interrupter. In fact, it basically says, I want people to listen and look at me more than I want them to listen and look at you. It's a self-serving, egotistical act. It blatantly states, what I have to say is more important than what you have to say. And you do think that, and that's why you do it. Did you know that? When you interrupt, every once in a while, Wesley, I don't know what I'm going to do here, buddy, because I used to be able to talk about you kids, and now you're sitting in here listening. So I, I, it'll make me a better teacher, right? Like it'll make me think about how to say this. Every once in a while with my children, I do need to interrupt them because we do interrupt when we have something more important to say. But whatever your opinion is or whatever it is you're trying to fit in in a meeting or what you're trying to argue in your coffee group, that's not more important. If you want people to know that you think you're important than what they have to say, then you go ahead and tell them by just interrupting. Every once in a while, God has to interrupt us. Every once in a while, I have to interrupt one of my children, but that's because there's a spiritual authority level in there. But generally speaking, in our everyday relationships, interruption shows disrespect. It is folly and shame to you when you interrupt. When you give an answer before you hear everything, you are interrupting. Answering a matter before it is heard also results in lost information that may be crucial to the relationship needs. One of the peculiarities of human nature, think about this, this is good. This isn't mine, I stole it from somewhere. One of the peculiarities of human nature is that we tend to save the most pertinent information to the last. I'm gonna do it when I preach the sermon day. You're going to, you guys expect that for me to give you the good news, the best stuff at the last. You do it. If you're telling a story, you're going to save the big, like there's a big ending, right? All of our movies, all of our TV shows. We save the best for last. When you interrupt, when you wait and you don't listen first, you're missing out on the most important or biggest thing that the person had to say. And I'm not a psychologist, that's why I had to steal that from somebody else, but it's true, it's proven about human beings that we do that, that we build up to what's best, right? Good news or bad news first? We all want the bad news, let's end on a good note. And so we even rob people of telling us the best or good news that they might have to say. Did you know, I've actually learned to pray before I enter difficult conversations, which I hope you do too. Don't go into difficult conversation just figuring out what you're gonna say. Pray for the Holy Spirit to fulfill that promise of Matthew 18 that he's going to be there to guide the conversation. I've prayed before I enter difficult conversations that perhaps if I listen first, and this works, this could potentially work with your children, your marriage, your work, your school, your, your pastor, that if I listen first, that the other person might say something that is helpful in making what needs to be communicated come across more gently and more clearly. I once had to fire an employee. I sat and listened to them talk for five minutes, and they quit before I fired them. Praise God, hallelujah, right? Unless you're some kind of weirdo that likes to fire people and gets a kick out of that, it's not a fun thing to do. But I sat and I listened, and the person quit, and I go, good. They didn't feel bad about quitting, and I didn't have to fire them. What a blessing. 
listen to what they have to say, and perhaps what you need to say will come across more gently and clearly. Hearing the other person's point of view first is important, but then we can go another step further, and we can listen long. Look at what Proverbs 15, 28 says. Listening long. We're going to listen more. We're going to listen first. Then we're going to listen long. Uh, Proverbs 15, 28. Do we have that one, gang? If we don't, I can read it to you. It'll be okay. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. To ponder is to sit and consider, right? We get ponder for most of us. If I said you're going to ponder something, there would be a time element to that. I'm going to put some time. I'm pondering something. means I'm taking more time than just reacting. The word poor, the mouth of the, of the wicked, it says, pours out evil things. That implies something continuously and quickly. You say something, I respond. You say something, I respond. There's this pouring in and out, and it says that that's what the wicked mouth does. The wicked mouth will just pour out evil things. What are, what's the principle we're really talking about here when we talk about listening long? We're talking about responding over reacting. Church, we have to learn to respond overreacting. If we look at this passage, again, a quick response even signifies that it could be a wicked mouth. We cannot afford to speak before we think. We can't afford to speak without we think. There's so much value there. If your mind, if you've been studied up and you're prayed up and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you give time, when you ponder, when you think, you allow the Holy Spirit to inform your response. We can't afford not to have that in our responses, in our interactions with one another. We cannot afford to speak before we think. How great would it be? I can just imagine. I'm going to read you this and then I'm going to, some of you are going to, yeah, right. How great would it be if, if, if when matters of disagreement arose with our spouse, our child, our friend, we would say, you know, I'm not spiritually prepared to discuss this right now. How about we look at it again in a few days? Now, y'all are liars if you would say anything, but you'd want to punch your spouse if they looked at you and said that. You would say they're more spiritual than you. You would say they were condemning you. You would think they were holier than thou. But if you were in a healthy relationship, you'd go, man, I'm really glad I'm married to a person like that. I'm really glad that they understand that the heart is deceitful and that a tired mind could spew out wicked things. And that maybe if we just took some time, if we got a good night's sleep, if we ate a good dinner, if we just sat down and and unwound from the day, and maybe we wouldn't have to word it exactly like that, but just said, hey, like we don't need to do this right now. We know we can't talk about it. We're going to be better off. Especially, though, when a challenging matter arises, often a person who is hurt, offended, or confused will almost seem to demand a response from the other parties. This is where it gets tough. You ever had this? You ever had this? This is someone's heard. They come and go, what'd you do? I can't believe you did that. Oh, boy. And you go, I don't want to talk about it right now. No, I need an answer right now. You shouldn't be in relationships with people that demand that you talk. Now, you need to talk to your, you can't, like, not talk to your spouse for a month. I'm not saying you, you get the right to just, you don't get to just shut down for a month and never talk to them, never, no, never communicate. 
But I'm saying, I think about this principle. Gang, this, this, I really thought getting into this, this was going to be kind of a boring, eh, I don't want to, whatever kind of sermon series. This has been heavy on my heart this week. I'll share some more particulars about that as I kind of work through this sermon. But this is, the words we speak are life and death. And most of us, again, we talked about this last week. Most of the hurt that we've experienced has to do with something else that someone has said to us or not said to us. And we've got to figure this out if we want to be in love with each other, if we want to love on each other, if we want to show love to other people. I think about a police officer, how when they arrest somebody, they might begin to read them their rights. One of the things they might say is, you have the right to remain. I was, I was waiting for one of you to say you have the right to an attorney, just for fun. But I, I figured with the context, you'd say silent. Then they go on to say, anything you say can and will be used against you. I have no idea if this is what actually happens. It's just whatever I've seen on Cops or any other TV show, right? But from what I hear, that's what gets said. Didn't they get this right from the Bible? Even when someone who commits a crime is being pushed by authorities to speak, they might say, I'm going to wait on my attorney. And what they're really saying is, I'm going to wait on my advocate. You know, one of the words we use to describe the Holy Spirit is advocate. Jesus called him the advocate. The criminal who doesn't know anything about spiritual, if he knows better, she knows better, they're going to say, no, I'm going to wait on my advocate. And just as an attorney acts as an advocate to a criminal, Jesus acts as an advocate to all of us. If you find yourself in a challenging discussion, when you react quickly, rather than responding slowly and thoughtfully, you run the risk of spewing out wickedness, of showing yourself foolish, and allowing pride or self-righteousness to win the day over a healthy resolution. And oh, by the way, anything you say can and will be used against you. Some of you have said something to your spouse in an argument years, maybe decades ago, and they have reminded you of that statement that you made. Well, she was a little prettier than you, honey. <laughs> yeah, she'll forget that one tomorrow. I've never used that one. I like to think wherever the full line is, I'm a little above that. I'm sorry. I just, so many examples came to my mind about how, no, you, you know, comparing the food to her, your mother's or whatever else. But it's going to be brought up. And if not by that person, you better believe the enemy's listening. And he's waiting to remind you. He's waiting to remind you of the things that you've said when you weren't who you should have been and weren't reacting the way that you should. How many would say this morning, I need to work on not reacting so quickly? I need to, I need to work on not reacting so quickly. Yeah, that's good. I, I, it's not for you to look around. It, I really believe a physical motion helps us to register, God, help me work on that, right? I think that's what that's about. That's good, and we want to be able to do that as a family and a community. Last and definitely not least, because I saved the best for last, right? When it comes to listening to others, we must listen with love. 
And I'm going to use Galatians 6, first few verses, and just kind of walk through these to show the principle, uh, how the principles in verses 1 through 3 of Galatians 6 help us understand this. Galatians 6, 1 through 3 says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So too often we throw around high-level Christian principles without talking about what it really means to exhibit those principles. We say things like, be more loving, have more faith, claim his peace. But we need practical ways to do these things. I, don't, I mean, I pray about it. I hope you do too. I hope you say prayers like, God, help me to be more loving. Help me to be a better listener. And that's a good start. But there's also disciplines and things that we can do to to make us do it. And understanding why it helps us goes a long way too. That's why staying in scripture uh, in the explanation of those things helps us a lot. Verse 1 says that we should hear confession, right? Like it should, it says, if anyone's caught in a trespass, restore such a person. So when we hear confession, what do we do next? Well, first we tell the pastor, then we tell a staff member, and then we tell the board. Those people are all people in the church, so we're being spiritual, and we pray for them at our study group. No. No. Up to the highest ranking officials in the church, I've seen this is a problem. That we think somehow if we use a certain tone or put it under a certain excuse that we can share things that will just destroy other people's reputations. Because here's the other thing, you don't get to control where the narrative goes. When you start it, right, last week we read about how the tongue is as powerful as a blazing fire. It just turns into everything by the time it gets to the other side of the church. It, 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 <laughs> we don't share it with anybody. We hear confession from someone. We know that they've sinned. And we understand that one who is confessing, I hope your heart breaks when you hear someone confess sin because it means God's started to break them. It's such a big deal. I hope you don't get out of gavel. I don't care what it is. I I really, really don't care what sin it is. I hope your heart breaks when you hear someone confessing sin because it speaks to the Holy Spirit working inside of them. We understand that the one who is confessing is moving towards repentance and gentleness. It says restore them in gentleness. Gentleness must be our primary goal. Man, in your heart, when you hear somebody sins, if gentleness isn't your first response, pray about that. Pray about that. Not only that, but there's a crucial lesson here for us in Galatians 6 for us to move towards spiritual maturity. Verse one says, consider how you could fail the same way they just did. Benny Tate, some of you know him. He's a pastor in Georgia. I'll never forget, I went to a seminar he led seven or eight years ago and he said, Satan will wait around in the weeds 30 or 40 years to take down one of God's great ones. The Bible teaches us that you need to be careful if you think you stand because you might be ready to fall. The more that you've done for Christ, the bigger target Satan has on your back. The more he's going to come after you, the more he's going to try to find ways. He's been studying you. I know that's a little scary, but I believe it with all my heart. 
I talked to an 80-year-old pastor one day that said he has to fight temptation more at 80 years old than he did when he was 20. If his daughter wasn't saying here, I'd say I heard it from Robert Klein, but I'm pretty sure I did. And it's because he wasn't ashamed to tell the truth, and he knew it didn't mean he was less of a person. He understood the realities of spiritual warfare. What if every time someone confessed a sin to you, what if every time you heard about somebody else's shortcoming, you just fell on your knees and said, God, will you protect me from ever falling into that temptation, from ever doing what happened in that person's life? Because that person probably never thought they were ever going to do it either. Who, when they were 10 years old, said, I want to grow up and just be, uh, be a consistent and avid sinner? Nobody intended to do wrong. Nobody started off saying that they wanted to fail in life and do all these things they were going to need to confess later. And neither will you. Sin crouches at the door. That's what God said to Cain in Genesis. But if we do what's right, we can avoid it. So what if instead of judging others who sin, we just use it as an opportunity to say, God, help me to be sure that I'm guarding against this sin. We have blind spots. And just like that confessing person might have thought they would never fail in that area, we should consider the reality that we are just as capable as failing, at failing as well. Verse 2 says, listening in love alleviates others' pains. Wouldn't it be nice to know you could alleviate other people's pain? Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. That literally means to take something difficult that someone is carrying and to carry it yourself. Have you ever been carrying something heavy? that you thought you could carry on your own. And then you picked up, you go, whoa, that's really heavy. And then somebody came along and grabbed the other side of it, and you just go, man, that was, that's great. That's what it looks like. We were loading tables the other day. All those white tables we had in here, most of us could all pick one up. They're not that heavy. I'm glad they went from that to the big metal bars we had stick it, you know, that was stuck to a big piece of wood that we used to lug around the church years ago. But most of us in here could pick one of those up. But if you have to carry it across the room, it's really not that bad if someone else is on the other end. We don't need to carry our burdens alone, and we don't need to let other people carry their burdens on their own. Do you know how many people feel the weight or anxiety of an issue lifted just because they know they aren't alone in that situation? Going back to my time walking with John, I truly got a sense that he was able to essentially release some of the load he was carrying simply because he was able to share it with me. And can I share a blessing with you? I felt like I had the whole world on my shoulders that night. I didn't tell him what we were doing. He didn't know I was a pastor that was moving out the next day, moving my whole family to another. I'm not asking for your pity, but it's a world changer, folks. Change schools, change church, all that kind of stuff. You know, I... It's not just pastoring a church. You fall in love with the people you're pastoring and they're part of your family and you, you get to switch new families. Like it's, you don't really look forward to doing it. I love being here with you, but the transition is, it's a lot. But as I walked with John, you know, one of the spiritual principles that God gave me was wasn't it so nice just to listen to someone else's problems for a minute and get, get your, the focus off of yourself? You, just, you can become a complainer and a whiner and a downer saying, woe is me. I got to load this truck and I got to get my stuff packed and we got to drive down there and I'm probably going to wreck the U-Haul on the way down, which some of you saw me drive it and it could have happened. <laughs> Listening to other people reminds us that it's not just about us and we need that. That's, uh, depression stems from an over, an over healthy 
or an, an over-extreme focus on ourselves because we weren't made to do this alone and we were made to do this under the watch of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to pastoral counseling, I can't tell you how many times people have come into my office and left some time later thanking me for counseling and I didn't say anything. Every single one of us has the power to encourage others simply by listening. A third and wonderful reminder from this passage on listening found in verse 3 of Galatians 6 simply reminds us that no one likes a know-it-all. Anybody, anybody have a know-it-all in their life they just love hanging out with? Let me tell you, here's one of my pet peeves. And I used to be guilty. I'm a recovering whatever this, you guys come up with a term for whatever this issue is, and I'm a recovering one of those. I think one of the, like, I can actually remember these things. 20 years ago, no, I'm old enough to say 30 years ago. 30 years ago, I'm a kid at Christmas, and I'm around all my cousins, and we're talking about who hit the game-winning uh, home run in the 1980-whatever World Series. I mean, these are great. Was it, was it, was it Reggie Jackson? Was it, was it Mark McGuire? I, I don't remember. And do and you know what happens today? Somebody tell me. Anybody know where I'm going? Ah! You ruined every good conversation we were ever supposed to have. That was such great fellowship. It's like, anybody remember who that was? Yeah, it was this person. Well, we all could have done that. We got it. It just took all the fun out of some of those conversations. Some of you can't go to bed without Googling who played in that movie. You know who you are. You know who you are. And I thought, it's just okay. I probably don't need to know. I don't need to know that they were in the Goonies in the 1980s. And I don't know how they got rid of all that stuff that was going on in their face, right? You just don't know what to do with it. Although we did find out the other day, like there's a, you guys ever see, this is just going to be for fun. It's going to apply to like 20 of you. You ever see the movie Smashburger? Yeah. The real loud kid that's like on Smashburger, he just got saved and he's a youth pastor. Isn't that cool? Like every, like every once, but for the most part, we just, we're reading really bad stories about this. Don't look that stuff up. It's bad rabbit trails. Just like this was, right? Um, <laughs> Isn't that what it, verse 3 says? Someone who thinks they are something when they are nothing. This passage says they deceive themselves. In other words, they think that they're more important than they actually are, and that means they're deceiving themselves. In other words, you think more highly of yourself than others think of you. That's always dangerous ground. People want other people. Here's what people want from you. They want you to care about them. They want you to listen to them, and they don't want you to fix them. They don't want you to fix them. Now, listen, if you come to the pastor's office and say, I'm sinning, I need help, I'm probably going to give you an idea or two, or we're going to look at Scripture. We're not going to sit idly by and continue in sin, that's for sure. But a lot of people don't want to be fixed, and that doesn't mean we don't want the Holy Spirit moving in their life. It doesn't mean that we don't want to show them good doctrine, that type of stuff. But husbands, if you still haven't got the message, when your wife shares her burdens with you, she doesn't need you to come up with all the answers. Can I get an amen, women? She needs you to listen to her and let her know that she's understood. Just a little sidebar as it relates to our marriages, but many other areas as well. Almost always arguing is a losing proposition. Arguing is a losing proposition. Some of you live to argue. I, would, I could walk you through the scriptures and tell you why you should live for something else. You will see me walk away from arguments without saying anything, and you'll think I'm being rude. And I can tell you later how I'm not being. 99% of the time, 
arguing is a negative thing. It doesn't mean we don't have discussions. But someone has said there's no way to win an argument. Even if you win, you lose. Arguing is one of the most psychologically damaging of behaviors. It leaves the participants emotionally exhausted and mentally depressed. Seldom is an issue settled through an argument, which means the problem still hangs over our head now heavier than ever. I measure my words carefully when I talk about me and my wife's relationship, and you'll never get anything deep or juicy, if you will. But over 13 years, every once in a while, we have argued. And you know, the only thing we ever accomplished in those moments of those times was when the argument stopped and said, I'm sorry, I love you. That's the only thing that got accomplished that was positive that day or in that situation. We didn't come up with any resolution about whatever it was we were saying. The only thing that really mattered is when we came together and acknowledged that more than anything, we wanted to get along and we loved each other. Psychologically damaging, mentally depressing. Listening with love helps us examine ourselves, alleviate others' pain, and present ourselves humbly before others. Church, let me tell you, some of the re- when you hear me talk about a sermon being heavy, sometimes it's because something's going on in the world, but a lot of times just because as I'm preaching, I'm going, God, I don't even know if I can preach this because I still need to work on it so much. You know what I mean? Does that relate this morning? I, I'm, I'm just right with you. I mean, I've been ordained and I've studied the scriptures and God's called me to do this, but I'm right there with you in the struggle and listening's a tough one. It is. It, 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 it speaks. I, I think what I don't like as I've prepared this for you is it reveals too much about our spirits is really the truth. And I don't like that. It exposes who I am if I can't listen. It says I'm prideful. It says I'm lifted up. And that's not what I want other people to think of me. I want them to know that I care for them. I want them to know that I love them and that I'm here to help them carry their burdens. Hey, we're going to ask the team to come up. They're just going to play for a minute or two. And, of course, if you don't know this, if you're a visitor, first off, I haven't had a chance or I didn't take the chance to address you. If you're a visitor here for the first time or second time, if we haven't got to know each other, you really are the most important person in this building to me, and I'd love to talk to you if you'd fill out a connection card. But in this church, our altars are always open. It's always appropriate to pray. I saw somebody praying before the service today. Awesome stuff. Love it. You don't, there's no schedule on this altar. If this building's open, this altar's open. But I wondered if just over the next couple minutes is they're just going to sing about half of that song we just sang uh, called Listening. Just stand with me and just bow your heads. And if you feel led to worship and say, God, I'm listening, that's okay. But what if you just, what if you just answered these questions and asked God to help you in any area? Lord, am I listening enough? Lord, am I listening first without interrupting and processing what's being said? Lord, am I listening long enough? Are there times when waiting to respond you're going to deal with me being transparent. I'm going to tell you about one of the hardest things I ever faced in ministry. There was going to be a wedding at my church and I heard that they wanted somebody in the family. They were going to have somebody in the family. This was a good, solid Christian family. They were going to have, they were planning on having a homosexual do the wedding, be the officiant. Now you all understand we love the individual who's struggling homosexual sin, but 
It's not appropriate for them to be in leadership in the church. It's a sin like many others, like gossip, like backbiting, like idolatry. And I remember just going, God, you gotta be kidding me. I had an answer for the fact that we're not going to marry, a home, do a homosexual marriage here, but homosexual officiating? God, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I didn't know who to talk to. He said, why don't you talk to me? Why don't you talk to me about it? So I didn't talk to anybody else. I mean, Allison knows a lot of the struggles I go through. But I spent the next four or five days praying. My heart was broken. I mean, this I love this family. They're a good Christian family. And I was confused. I said, God, I don't know what I don't know what you want me to do. So I called the father of the would-be spouse. I said, hey. Keith, can we get lunch? And he goes, have you eaten today? I said, no. And I, I told Allison, I think it was my day off. I, it would have been about the time I should have been heading to the golf course. Now, listen, I really don't like to work on my day off. So I try to have problems when I'm not off. But I said, I got to go. I'm going to go have lunch. Sat down at lunch and he was terrified. He didn't know why we were having lunch. He goes, pastor, you know, I, I support you and we tithe. And we, I got Keith. I said, I just got to talk to you about this. I got to talk to you about this wedding. And he said, oh, I'm not going to let him officiate it. I said, thank you, Jesus. It could have split my church in half. I could have taken it to the board. I could have taken it to the staff and I could have split them in half. But instead, I just, I listened. What did I do? I listened long. I listened long and waited for God to intervene and I didn't have to do anything. Will you trust him with whatever it is that you're fighting for an answer today and stop trying to manufacture an answer? We always get in trouble when we try to answer on God's behalf. We have to listen long today. And are we truly willing to listen with love? When we listen or don't listen to others, we are showing them how much we do or don't love, respect, and care for them as an individual. So just take the next few moments. Again, you're welcome to come to the altar, but more than anything, I just want you to say, God, help me to listen better. These are practical messages, folks, that would heal so many of our relationships and cause us to have such greater unity as a body if we would just listen to the other person. Father, we pray. God, start on this stage. Start with this pastor. Start with this worship team. Start with this staff, with this board. Help us to see the other point of view. Help us to know that it's your desire for us to love one another. God, that I really believe this, that almost all the time, definitely not if they're a sheep, not if they're one of your sheep, they're not going after each other. It's wolves that do that. Lord, we'll chase those off, but us sheep, we need to stick together. We need to listen to each other. We need to believe that the other one is for us. So God, help us to show them that we're for them. Help us to be loving. God, just help us to grow in this. God, as I've recognized this week, the best way to do this, Lord, is just help me. Help me to repent of places of pride. Help me to be humble about who I am and recognize my places. 
just a recipient of your grace who's trying to be faithful with the call that you've given him. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's respond in worship this morning. planned sermons and this was supposed to be a two-week series because to wrap up camp meeting next Sunday Dr. Tom Hermes will be preaching if you haven't heard Dr. Tom Hermes speak if you come to you should be here because you need to be in church every Sunday but when you come to church next Sunday you'll hear a great message on holiness he's one of the best holiness preachers I think I, I wouldn't mind telling you ever not in our denomination or just in America he's he will bring a very clear message about holiness living in one way or the other He'll also be here this week. Um, but it's interesting because I planned a two-week series and God told me it needed to be three. And as I sit here and think about what we just talked about, you won't hear me wrap up this series for two weeks. So just take two weeks and see if we can't learn to listen better. Because next, the next sermon in the series is going to be listening to God. If we learn to listen to others, it'll help us listen to God more too. And we'll, we'll go through that. So... Um, 
just before we say goodbye to our online, we'll let you be seated just before we say goodbye to our online audience today. We'll let, let you know what's going on here this week, especially if you are somebody that checks in from another church. We've got a lot of meetings. You can come check out the church uh, for some different activities we have going on. Tonight we have a celebration of missions for our district. That's at 6 o'clock. Uh, Cap City Church, come and represent. If you're watching online, come check us out. Um, tomorrow night is ladies' night. Probably means a little something different in the church than normally you would hear. Um, but uh, we're at 7 o'clock tomorrow for that, and that's uh, refreshments start at 6 um, for that. And then Tuesday night through Sunday night will be 7 o'clock with 6 o'clock on the Sundays. So just remember 6 o'clock on Sundays, 7 o'clock for the weeknights. Uh, Dr. Tom Hermes will be bringing the message Tuesday through Sunday night and here with us on Sunday morning. So, uh, again, thank you for joining us online. We hope you'll join us here at our Rathmel Road campus very soon. If you're not joining us on, if you've been joining us online because you thought you couldn't get to the church, you can still get through here even though there's some road closures on Rathmel Road. So we'll see you later. For those of you that are here in the house, we're going to go ahead and receive our morning tithes and offerings. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward at this time to help us with that. Um, I do know, uh, again, as they're coming, just a couple notes. To, uh, during our celebration of missions tonight, we'll be taking a kid power offering. So there'll be an opportunity to give to mission work specifically uh, tonight. Um, so, so come prepared maybe with cash or check um, in order to do that. I'm not sure. I, 